Hello, I am Heidi and welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand, where we talk to real people and share true stories of overcoming life's challenges. We are taking life's lemons and making lemonade. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Candace. Welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand. I'm so looking forward to getting to know you. So start out by telling me a couple of things about yourself. Well, my name is Candace Rivera, and I am the founder of the anti-human trafficking organization Exodus. I also am a, a 40 under 40 Hispanic chamber female with other companies and businesses we run focusing women-centric. So we um, employ a lot of single mothers, um, a lot of women who are just trying to get back in the workforce, and that's everything from web design to retail creation to marketing, branding, and social media. Wow. Okay. So you don't do those things without a story. I know there's a lemon to lemonade story there to be able to do what you're doing now. So take me back and tell me what happened. Well, I'm so glad you asked because I don't talk about it a lot because people see, I think the final products and they see, especially women on these big stages and they see these collaborations and us speaking, going to these events and they don't take time to look back and say, well, how did we even get there? And I'm like, hold on, girl, <laughs> let's back up because let me tell you, I do. And one of my biggest my biggest lemons was actually going through divorce, um, being a product of divorce. My parents were divorced. One of my biggest, you know, goals in life was to stay married. Mm -hmm. And I had that dream that the little girls have of having that white picket fence, two and a half kids and the love of my life. And I think what I learned through that was letting go of something that I thought was good for something that was actually really great. And it doesn't mean, I don't think divorce means that everything was horrible. There are wonderful, good times in my marriage. There are also really hard times. And so going through that divorce, I lost everything. Um, I really started over and I remember, um, and Jesus may not be your thing, but he's mine. And I remember having moments where I was like, Hey, at least leave me this. If you're going to take this, at least leave me this. And I think I said that five or six times. And then at the end of the day, um, he's like, you don't need anything. Just be you. And so I started over and one of my biggest passions was helping underserved populations and seeing um, young ladies who are being exploited, um, men and women, and working from a medical standpoint in the trafficking world. And so I had done quite a few pro bono things, little mission trips, little things here and there um, throughout the decade and course of my career up until that point from a medical perspective um, as an international medical advocate. And finally, it was like, well, my kids are going to be gone for a week at a time over holidays. This gives me a great opportunity to travel and work in some passions. And so very slowly, I started doing things at a bigger and bigger pace. And then I thought, gosh, I really need a job that works with my passions. And so several years ago, created a company and then grew that company to form more companies. And I thought, gosh, there are other women who probably need that support. And so we started plugging in specific women-centric jobs and trainings at home and connecting with universities to say, hey, we need a web design skill set. Can you give us, gift us six scholarships for single moms so they can stay home and have a skill set and be able to provide for their families? And so that's kind of how it started. And it was really out of a necessity of something has got to change in order to love the life that I want to live. And that life so much was serving people. And that's where I was able to say, great, my kids are gone over a holiday. This was my first holiday alone. 
it was a Thanksgiving and I said, I need to do something. And literally 24 hours before I was leaving on a plane, I got a call and asked to be an international medical advocate for a trafficked individual. And I went, and from then I said, this is what we'll have to do forever. We're going to have to figure out sustainable ways to do this. So that's how Exodus was formed from some of that concepting. Um, and then again, how I was able to say, okay, we've got to do something different than the nine to five. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's working for you. And you're taking something that was so difficult. Like a divorce is one of the hardest things because it's not the vision. It's not the dream. It's not what you have planned. And so you have to get your head around like, wait, this isn't the plan. And then I had somebody say once that the best thing to do in a situation like that is to tell the person congratulations, because there's a reason that the marriage is ending and it's for a good reason. And it's your jumping off point too, you know? And so I look at you like that and I think congratulations, you know, for what you went through and where you're at now because of it. Well, thanks. And, and I do, I tell people like, you don't want to be miserable for the rest of your life. And if you love this person, you don't want them either. A divorce doesn't have to be a horrible thing. It can really be an opportunity to be who you want to be, um, post what you thought you were going to be. And there is a great process. We've lost children. I was a cancer survivor. I went through really big things with this person. I thought I was going to love for the rest of my life and no one else will experience those with me again. And I definitely had a grief process and I had wonderful friends who had a burn it down party for me. And we wrote all of the things I was grieving. Even my, at the time, my young preteen, um, his innocence was one of the things I was grieving because he was caught between some pretty, you know, rough things between mom and dad. And we, we tore them all up and we burned them. And it was that beauty and the ashes effect of just having that moment of this isn't the end, you know, trust me. I know rock bottom has a basement. I found it, but (laughs) there are stairs to climb out of that. And it can really be a beautiful thing at the end of the day. And we still struggle. We struggle co-parenting. Um, you know, we just struggle sometimes moving on with our kids, but it doesn't have to be the end all be all. And it doesn't make you who you are. Circumstances don't make you who you are. They're just things you've done. And yes. so that was a big one for me. <laughs> that is huge. And I love your voice to be able to teach that to other people because we need that reminder that just things that are happening to us and they weren't part of the plan doesn't mean that you need to give up and that you're not worth anything anymore. Absolutely. The opposite. Absolutely. And and that's something too, that I find a lot of the, the demographics I work with both employ and demographics that I serve is so often we get hung up on circumstances and things that are happening around us or to us. And we define ourselves by that. And I put in quotations too, because we like to play victim. Sometimes we like to say, this is happening to me. And I want, I, I often tell women, um, and women is mostly my demographic, but I tell them, Hey, like, this is not who you are. Tomorrow is going to suck. Tomorrow is going to be horrible. You're going to have to face big consequences. Yes. Embarrassment comes along with making bad choices, but let me tell you something. You are not your bad choice. You are not your bad circumstance. You are so much more than that. And you are the only one that can make that decision for you and stop giving credit and allowance for everyone else to put discounted price tags on you and show up full price, mm-hmm. show up exactly in the worth that you need to be, because these are just circumstances. Yeah. And I love that you say that because I teach that as well, that, you know, we always say, oh, that happened to me and that victim mentality, you know, and that, oh, life is happening to me. And I'm like, what if it's happening for you? 
And so I try to teach people like, look at this gift that's happened for you. And how are you going to react to that now instead of saying it happened to you? Yeah, big difference. Big difference. And I learned that through divorce. And um, it was something where I had already gone through quite a few things with, like I said, with my ex husband, we had, you know, child loss, we had um, um, infant pregnancy loss, we had, you know, gone through cancer and sickness and things like that in our home. And we had already done some of these big battles. And a lot of times I'm like, I just don't know why we keep getting the short end of the stick. These things keep happening to us looking back and the amazing things we've been able to do with that, even in those moments, um, creating a platform for women who had lost children, um, creating opportunities for women to come together and recognize that bitterness, sadness, anger, um, loss, those feelings of loss and alone, alone are normal. Those happen. And there is a community of women who have experienced that, um, pushing forward to the divorce aspect and the single mom aspect. I have two children. I have two boys. And if anyone knows me from social media, I talk about them often. I get inspiring quotes from my teenager and I have a buttery, sugary, um, young fourth grader. One of the things I, I love that I got to experience was being a single mom. Um, I watched my mom do that and never fully recognized the amount of work and um, being able to understand that, gosh, I have such a soft spot. I employ 62 single moms on purpose um, because I know what it's like to provide for your family financially and emotionally, financially and physically, financially and financially when you're the only ones. And that was a wonderful gift that I got to experience because um, so many women don't realize you don't have to do it alone. And it's not an embarrassing thing. It's not an embarrassment. There's no shame in, in having to figure out how to do it. Right. And I'm hoping that that's getting better nowadays. Like I, it seems like back when I was a kid, it was like, oh my goodness, you know, somebody got divorced, you know, and you're just like, oh, wow, that's tragic and that's terrible. And what, what did they do wrong? And, you know, all this judgment and now it feels kind of like, okay, you found that something else isn't working for you and you need to take care of yourself. And this is the next step of your life. And it just seems like it's a lot more acceptable now, I hope. I hope yeah. that's what it's doing. I definitely think that the narrative is changing on what divorced children and divorced people look like. And I think a lot of that narrative has to come from themselves. You know, the people going through those experiences. I remember when I was still married, I had a good friend who was going through a divorce and she goes, oh, I'm going to have this black mark on me now as a divorced woman. And we had a baby and, and I'm like, who's putting the black mark on you? <laughs> who's doing that? And so much of it was just how she perceived it as a failure. And I changed a lot of it in our house. I also, I, my, my narrative with my children is different and I make them use different verbiage and vernacular. And one of the words we stay away from is failure. And we just say, oh, it didn't work out this direction. What's our new direction? What's the new direction? Um, failure carries so much weight with it of, of, of this. You didn't do a good job. You are not able to complete this. You can't do this. And so instead of saying we failed, we say, okay, this direction didn't work. What's our new direction? Or do we put a pen in this and we actually come up with a completely new concept? What does that look like? Um, and I think taking away the idea of something not working as failure is a really, really big thing for especially women of not seeing so many failures and seeing just what's the direct new direction we have to take. Yeah. 
I know. I wish the word failure didn't even exist because I feel like it's really nothing is a failure. Like even if you stop doing something that's not working for you, that doesn't mean you failed. It just right. means you stopped doing something that wasn't working for you. And so I just wish we could get rid of that. So I love your new thinking about that. That's great. A new direction. That's all it is. It's not failure. It's just changing well, direction. And working in the entrepreneur space and yeah. this business space, corporate midsize and enterprise, um, and working alongside some Fortune 500 CEOs and, and doing consulting with them, one of the big things is that serial entrepreneurship, um, serial tri- entrepreneurs never see failure. And I love that because if they saw failure, they wouldn't start the next company. Right. They wouldn't start the next business venture, next capital venture, or angel investment. They wouldn't do that if they saw failure. So it's interesting the mindset of our are serial entrepreneurs and how they actually don't see failure. Nothing really fails. And it's funny, I was in a, a very well-known um, now a Fortune 500 owner. And I went in his office one day in the library and he had this massive wall with all these shelves of different sizes. And he had all these different retail products, just tons of stuff all over. And I was like, what is this? And he goes, oh, those are all the designs that didn't work. He said, I'm just putting them there for a minute. I might come back to them. <laughs> I thought that was amazing that he had companies that completely the eyes of the public would see as a massive failure. And he's sticking that product there saying, maybe I'll come back and do it again. You know, after I've learned something, after something has changed and how telling that was of someone who now had a successful 500, um, he had every, all of the different directions on his, on his wall. And he's like, yeah, I'll come back to them. Maybe, maybe. Um, but it wasn't a failure. I, you know, that helped me. I learned something from this one and I learned something from this one and I took something from this one and that brought him to where he was today. And I mm-hmm. thought that was, it was, it was a really neat experience to see and put that into practice into life circumstances. Yes. I think we should do that with everything in our <laughs> life. Then let's put all our failures on the wall. Awesome. It's one of those things we usually want to hide, but I think that's awesome. What a great concept. Wow. If we stop complicating, overcomplicating things with what everyone else thinks, what everyone else is going to say, we take away things of words like shame, fear, doubt, failure, and we really simplify it and say, I can do this. And it's not in spite of, it's not to prove something to somebody. And it's not because someone said I couldn't, it's purely because I can. And that I think is, if we took just away that very simple concept, we would be able to um, really live lives that we love. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Just don't hold yourself back anymore. Just go forward. And if you had the idea, work on it, try it. Like what's the worst that can happen? I'm always like, let's talk about the worst case and then work from there, work backwards, you know, like what are you going to die? You know, you're not going to die. So what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Yeah. I always love telling people, everyone says the worst thing is that they could say no. And I always say, no, the worst thing is they could say no and think you're going to stop. That's the worst thing. I'm like, it it doesn't matter if someone says no, it doesn't mean you have to stop. It doesn't matter if something says no, it doesn't mean you have to stop. And so I just encourage people, um, find a tribe. Um, I love having a tribe of people. I'm a big believer in not casting a single pole for a big fish, but casting a wide net of collaboration makes massive impact. Don't be afraid of collaborating and asking for help. Women suck at asking for help, (laughs) just pure and simple. There's no, you know, lovely way to say it. We are horrible asking for help. Let's do that and collaborate 
communicate with people. Um, I have found more success in business, the private and nonprofit sectors, um, collaborating with individuals and having people have my back more than anywhere else. And I never have to stick up for myself because the proof is in the network and the people that I know and, and the work that we do. And I think that is of, of value to women. They need to know that um, collaboration, asking for help is far more, far more valuable than doing it all alone. Exactly. And it's funny how we have this judgment of asking for help, because I know personally, if somebody asks me for help, then I am like, so honored and so excited. And I'm so anxious to teach all I know and help them with whatever I can. And it's just like, I, you know, why are we so afraid to get that from someone? You know, they're going to, they're going to want to help you. That's a human nature to want to give and pay it forward and, and assist people in things. So it's like, don't be afraid. And, and if that person doesn't want to help you for whatever reason, that's their, their reason, their life, their journey. It's nothing against you. Find your person. Ask someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Find those people. That person just not your person. Yeah. And that's okay. And be discerning in the people you find. We have this culture of like, oh, these are my girl tribes. These are my boss babes. And half of those people are liking every dumb thing you post on Facebook and not actually holding you accountable for the dumb mistakes you're making in real life. (laughs) And so um, find accountability partners, find friends, not fans, Uh, be really discerning. And in the women and the men that you bring into those circles, I think that's really important. I learned that along the way, not everyone needs to be in that boat with me. Some people are better left on the shore, cheering me on and being invited to the after parties when we dock. They're not necessarily in the boat doing the rowing with me. Um, That was a really big lesson over, over time. And I learned more as an adult. I think I wasn't as a discerning as a 20 something or even an early 30 something Um, that took time. Um, I was asked recently at a high school, what would my advice be to senior girls going into college? And it was be discerning of the circles you create, have multiple circles, be really discerning of who's in those circles. Um, and I think as women, we need to do that too. (laughs) We so quickly jump on, on bandwagons with individuals. And I think, um, we need to be discerning with those, with those women as well. Yes, I totally agree. And we don't really take much thought for that. Sometimes we're just kind of in the grind and doing the things. And it's like, no, surround yourself with people that will bring you to the next level and help assist you. I love the row the boat idea. You know, I love the idea. Leave those on the shore to cheer for you, but get those that are really in it with you to be with you in the boat, helping you row it. Those are the people you need to stay close to. And I think that's how you and I met is some of the people that row in my boat. I think you've met some people that row in my boat with me. (laughs) So, and I think that is also great fortitude for you as well as the person and the person who owns the boat is when other people are rowing with you, they know the effort, they know, they know the struggle. They know what those upstream battles look like and those heavy currented issues. Um, and when they're also speaking on your behalf, it's coming from a point of integrity and character because they've done the work with you, you know? Yes. yes. They've seen you take the lemons and make the lemonade and they are right there with you to sip on it and enjoy it with you. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. You are such a tree. I love what you're doing. I love how positive you are. And you could have taken this really hard, tragic thing in your life and decided you weren't worth anything and you're thrown away or however, you know, we feel in those moments, you know, and we have those thoughts. And I love how you just rose above that. And now you're persevering and helping others. I think it's amazing. So thank you. 
Thanks. Thanks. And and I think that you get lemons all the time. I mean, uh, I could give you handfuls of buckets of situations that are hard. This was just one, um, you know, you'll have multiple pivot moments and this will be the last, you know, there will be more to come. And so I love that concept you have of making lemonade from these lemons because gosh, you're going to have endless amounts of lemonade at the end of your life. <laughs> and so, you know, as long as you keep it going, it's just like this ongoing press, you know, we've got a winery of lemons um, because <laughs> they'll come, they'll keep coming. And so I love, I love what you're speaking to in this concept and idea of, of looking at what that looks like when we actually do take the time to make the lemonade. So thanks. Thank yes. you. Oh, thank you. That's so kind of you. And I, it's true. They don't stop. And so we can be masters at making the lemonade or we can sit in our pile of lemons. Like they're not going to stop. So you might as well, might as well figure it out. So I'm proud of you for doing that. Yeah, thanks. And thanks for having me on today. (laughs) Thank you. It's so great to meet you. You're still here? Well, then enjoy this little outtake from that interview. One thing I love to bring to light because people say, oh, you're talking about trafficking. We don't want to talk about exploitation. We want to talk about this. And I'm like, hey, they come hand in hand because women have a narrative that we aren't worth very much. Speaking of divorce, speaking of business failure, speaking of child loss, even having problem children, um, that all of that encompassing, I'm not educated enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't hold a title. I don't have letters after my name. I don't, I've never done this. I've never, I mean, let's list it out of all the things that were unqualifiers, which is exactly what these very successful women did. Um, we all We all experience this and we all have a massive deficit when it comes to how much we're worth. And so I think it's really important for us to look at, let's look at who we are. And this is what I've learned with our trafficked uh, individuals of you are not the sum of these things. You are something so much more. And so one of my favorite, favorite things to do is to have women take away the sum of what they thought they were worth and tear it up and throw it in the garbage. And we talk about who you are, what you love, what you experience, who your children see you as, you know, seeing the eyes through the things that you've done for people, I think is incredible. And if we can have that narrative more often with our young ladies, um, starting from the time that they're four five and six and teaching them, you don't need any of this stuff, this imaginary list on up into our very successful females, get rid of the qualifiers because nothing qualifies your worth. Nothing qualifies who you are. You are never the sum of the unqualifications and you deserve a seat at the table. In fact, you probably bring the table. (laughs) So, so stop waiting for an invitation and show up to the table, bring the charcuterie board, bring the wine, bring it because that table is yours if you create it. And, um, I think that that is something that every woman feels. And so if a woman is listening and they're like, Hey, my lemons have been really hard. I've got a massive list of unqualifiers that are summing up some pretty nasty rotten lemonade. Gosh, toss it, toss it. Don't be afraid, toss it out and start over and come up, show up, show up who you are. You don't need anything else. Wow. So freeing. I love that. Just encourage people to show up. I love that so much. I wish somebody would have said that to me, you know, when I was young. Me too. I do too. I wasted a lot of time on unqualifying sums. I doubted myself a lot. I think imposter syndrome shows up in, in bouts of doubt when we're young, 
we don't deserve something. We don't deserve to be at the table. Um, we don't just we don't even know where the table is. We don't deserve an invite. Um, and that is um, something that I think, you know, we we as women need to we need to start looking at before we look at training for anything else. <laughs> so I feel like there's a magnifying glass, like on social media, like magnifying all the amazing things that other people are doing. And so we're sitting there like, ah, uh, you know, and it's just another drop in the bucket of proof of like, yep, see, I'm not that, you know? And I think it's really important that we can show more of who we are. Like, yeah, this is the up close magnified version of this one awesome thing I did. But yeah. look at everything else. <laughs> you know, I still have to make dinner for my family, or I still have to drive the carpool. Like I still get to do these other life events and life things, and they're still important to me. And it, it I'm not perfect at it. Yeah, and it's okay. Don't even get me started on social media. <laughs> <laughs> okay, our big comparison game. Gosh, that's the hours, loads of conversation. Yeah, that's a problem. Gosh, we compare so much. Um, and we do, I mean, and I always tell people you're comparing the low lives with people's highlights on a daily basis. Um, I love doing, uh, when we're doing real videos and things like that. And obviously I have a branding house and, and, and marketing and social media. We love making things look pretty, but that's, I always love to tell women, look, we pay copious amounts of money for people to make things look pretty, like completely honest with you. We have teams of individuals who are paid monthly to make these posts and these were even the words look pretty. Mm. Um, and so if you don't have an entire social media team behind you, making your life look pretty, chances are it's not going to look pretty. <laughs> and so I, you know, I even have someone that helps make my, you know, my graphics for things. And so, um, I think that it's so important to know that, that social media is the best comparison game you can ever play and it's free. And if you are not careful, that free game will cost you very much. It will be very costly. Mm, yeah. Um, I, uh, I always tell women when it comes down to it, set that timer on your phone, mm-hmm. set the timer of how often you're on Instagram, Facebook, you know, the other social platforms you might use TikTok. And when that timer says, close it, close it, mm-hmm. give yourself that accountability because you need to fill yourself up with all things you can do versus all the things other people are saying that they're doing. Right. That's so true. Isn't that interesting how we just get sucked down in that hole? It's like, this is just stuff for other people's stuff. Like, who cares? Go live your own life. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was talking to someone um, like a year ago. We talked about the indent you get on your finger from holding your phone, mm. <laughs> like holding it too long. Like if you have indents on your finger, you are on your phone too much. Get rid of the indents. If the indent is showing, you need a timer. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's a great check yourself. Yes. <laughs> Go listen to a really good podcast. Podcast is done. Yeah, yeah. Go listen to a good podcast. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> I have enjoyed spending this time with you. You might have a friend struggling with the same thing that we talked about in this episode that might enjoy listening to this too. So please share this episode because no one is alone at the lemonade stand.